0: Cross Grace Lutheran Church sermon podcast. On September 6th, 2020, we gathered for worship on the 14th Sunday after Pentecost. Pastor Aaron Stamper preached from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. The Gospel for today comes from the 18th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, Jesus instructs his disciples in this way. He says, If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. The Gospel of the Lord. So in my next life, I hope to be a great novelist. I mean, I don't even have to be a great one. I just love to be able to hold a book in my own hands that I wrote, an original story. That makes some positive impression and impact on the larger society. I would like to write a story about reconciliation, a heartwarming tale of two individuals at odds, bitter enemies perhaps, who come to a great reckoning whereby both people grow and change and recognize that the other person is deserving of all the love and respect that they can muster. Now, this story would not be a story of one person winning at the expense of the other, nor would it be a story of tolerance, as though the best we can hope for in our world is to plug our noses and close our eyes and merely tolerate the presence of someone who's different from you. No, it would be a story that makes it clear that there is profound beauty, truth, and holiness in overcoming division and developing an authentic love for one's enemies. But like I said, that's for my next life. I'm simply not creative enough to write a story like that. And that's, I guess, my great confession to you today, a disclaimer, really, given the nature of today's gospel lesson. I know this text from Matthew is dripping with good news, but I found it quite inaccessible to me this week. I think it's because I cannot think of anyone with whom I have had a serious, consequential falling out and now enjoy a restored relationship. Now... I'd forgive you for assuming that this is because I'm such an easygoing and lighthearted person that I simply haven't made any enemies, but alas, that's not the case. As I've made enemies, as I've had my fair share of disagreements, I've noticed that not much reconciliation has resulted I guess what I'm trying to say is this is a really hard sermon for me to preach on, and I feel like I should just be honest with you up front about that. I feel like I don't have a deep well of reconciliation stories to draw from. It's just something that wasn't really modeled for me throughout my life. And it's certainly hard to find today. I mean, forgiveness and reconciliation, these are not really virtues that are held up by American society, right? We prize stories of prevailing over the enemy, pursuing your own happiness regardless of anyone else's. And those are way more synchronous with American values than our reconciliation or forgiveness. And it's, this is pervasive throughout our culture. Just think about most popular books and movies, just about all of them can be boiled down to the same fundamental conflict between good and evil. The good prevail, the evil are destroyed by the end of the movie, right? Throw in some outstanding special effects, some attractive people in the lead roles, and you're guaranteed to have a blockbuster on your hands. That's just the story that we resonate with. I I. Honestly, and I've thought about this so hard this week, can't think of many stories that prize reconciliation. Pastor Mark shared a few last month in his sermons, and they, they're they notable because they seem so extraordinary, so beyond the scope of our expectations in daily lives. And just kind of running through a list of stories and movies in my head, um, I couldn't really Think of many stories where conflicting parties overcome very real animosity toward one another. They learn to appreciate and respect one another, and then they accomplish something together that they couldn't on their own. Right? I thought of one. I thought of the movie Remember the Titans. Okay? I'm not sure if you saw that one about the, uh, the Disney movie, the desegregated football team that unites after some initial ra- race-related struggles, winning the state championship, spoiler alert. I'm sure there are others, and I would love for you to remind me of some of them, because I need to surround myself with more of these stories. But I I think you'll agree that these stories are few and far between. Hence the need for my great novel that I'll write in my next life. Now we have to be careful Because there are a few people out there who tout themselves as examples of reconciliation, but if we really inspect the stories, it's often revealed to be nothing but a cheap veneer. I became aware of one when I visited uh, South Africa with a number of my pastoral colleagues. This guy uh, in South Africa, his name is Christo Brand. He was a young white jailer at Robben Island which is the prison in South Africa that held Nelson Mandela for 18 of his 27 years of incarceration. Christo Brand enjoyed a degree of notoriety following Mandela's release because he went around telling stories about how he and Mandela had become friends during Mandela's incarceration. He even wrote a book called Mandela, My Prisoner, My Friend. And he's made a comfortable living off of the book and speaking engagements. And even today, if you're visiting Cape Town, you can book through Airbnb a private dinner at a fancy restaurant in Cape Town where Christo uh, will regale you with stories of his friendship with Nelson Mandela. Though interestingly, I've read Nelson Mandela's autobiography and Christo Brand gets exactly one mention in the nearly 700-page tome. Far from being an example of extraordinary reconciliation, Christo Brand is simply a man who has never had to atone for his role in an unjust, unnatural, and immoral society, and instead continues to profit off of his role within the apartheid system, even today. That is not the kind of reconciliation that Jesus holds out as exemplary. Jesus' idea of reconciliation involves confrontation and conflict. It involves standing up for what is right, checking your idea of right and wrong with others in your faith community. Jesus' idea of reconciliation involves the restoration of the entire community, benefiting everyone. Jesus' idea of reconciliation is unwavering. Recall, Jesus says this, and if the tax or if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now, contrary to what you might think, he means there. This is not a permission to dismiss the offender or exclude him from the community. After all how did Jesus treat Gentiles and tax collectors? He sought them out. He never stopped inviting them into the restorative community. He inserted himself into their lives. The Christian message itself is one of reconciliation and restoration. And for me to say that I do not have many examples of reconciliation in my life is an admission that I have not let Jesus guide me. Christ's followers are to build their entire lives upon the foundation of God's character and God's promises. And what do we know about God but that God continually seeks us out, forgives us, invites us into a restorative relationship and community? and equips us to do the same for others. I take no pride in telling you this morning that I find that terribly difficult to do. But I also feel like I'm not the only one. And I hope that my admission will invite you to examine your own life in case you, like me, have strayed from the path of true discipleship. Now, I don't mean for this to be a downer of a sermon. After all, you are the few who bothered to show up on a holiday weekend, so I don't want you to feel like you're walking away having not heard the good news. So hear the good news. God is characterized by grace, forgiveness, and reconciliation. God's kingdom that is here, but not yet fully realized, is characterized by grace, forgiveness, and reconciliation. And God's people are meant to live lives characterized by grace, forgiveness, and reconciliation. That is our foundation. That is in our DNA. That is our eternal and ultimate destination. And the fact that we see so little of this today is an indictment of our sin, but it is also an invitation to seek God's help as we seek to rise above our selfish impulses and restore broken relationships. I pray for you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that your lives would be infused with stories and examples of reconciliation, I pray that our country would experience reconciliation in these divisive times. Reconciliation built on truth and trust in God's character of grace. And I pray that our church would be a place of holy confrontation and accountability so that when two or three of us are gathered, God would be among us as he promised Amen.